This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Now, a single mum and a breast cancer survivor has branded her diagnosis a gift and is now inspiring others with her 100 days of walking with World Cancer Day yesterday. Helena O'Brien from Bandon joins me to share her story. Good morning to you, Helena. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, and you're, you're very welcome to the programme. Now, let me take you back to May of last year. That's when you uh, discovered there was something wrong. What prompted you initially to go to the doctor? It, you know, I will be totally honest. Um, I was die so I'd noticed an infection in my nipple around March time, and I dis- discovered there was a pain in the breast getting stronger and stronger in the May. But it took for me to get the vomiting bug before I actually went to the doctor. So on the 16th of May, I went to the doctor, and I joked saying that I was paying 60 euro and. I wanted a full MOT for the privilege, but as soon as she checked, I knew by her face this was serious. And you were in the lucky position that uh, thankfully you had private uh, health insurance. So so your doctor reacted straight away and said you need to go further. Yeah, she said, um, immediately she said to me, you have private health insurance, don't you? And I said, yes. And she said, right, we're going to refer you to the Bonscore Hospital um, immediately. And at 5 to 1 the following day, I got a phone call from the bonds to be in the next Thursday. Were you panicking at that stage? Um, I was. I'm not going to lie. Um, I had all kinds of emotions going through my head thinking, what could this be? I've had friends that have gone through treatment for breast cancer, but I didn't know what was involved with it. Um, you know, I suppose a lot of women will think immediately when you're told that this is something that could happen. You think about your hair before you think about anything else. But it's different for everybody. Um, But yeah, I had all sorts of emotions, but I still kept thinking, think positive, think positive, because I'm a glass half full type person. So I'll always try and find the positive in something. Um, So yeah, I went in open-minded, thinking positive, but... uh, Yes. Who at that in that that couple of days or five days that you had to wait from then mm. to, to did you share your thoughts with anyone or was it very much kept to yourself? Very much kept it to myself. I told a couple of people in work um, that I had to go to the bonds for a mammogram and an ultrasound, and it turns out I needed a biopsy as well. But I had told a few people in work, and that was it. I chose not to tell family because I didn't want to have them worrying. Um, while I would be waiting to go in for the test. Yeah, I so think, I, think, I made that yeah. conscious decision. 
Yeah, and I think a lot of people would agree and would probably do do the same thing. So then you go to the bonds, they do the tests, and when do you get a diagnosis? So I went in and I was taken into an examination room and Dr. O'Hanlon mentioned something to me that now, looking back, she knew by looking at my breast that I had breast cancer. But I had to have a mammogram and an ultrasound to determine the size, the location, etc. Um so I went in and had the mammogram. Then I went in and had the ultrasound. And I remember seeing a black hole um, where the, the tumour was. And then they said, would you mind if we take a biopsy? And I said, of course. But I actually started to panic because I said to them, there was no mention of the biopsy before this. What does this mean for me? Um, what does this What exactly does this mean in relation to diagnosis? And that's when they explained to me that uh, you could have to wait for up to eight, eight days. So in my head, I was already processing Friday week. I would know when my day, you know, exactly what my yeah. cancer was or whatever, whatever it was. I didn't know. Um, but it turns out uh, I started to cry quite a bit. So they put me into a room on my own and I thought that was to just, you know, keep me calm. But actually what they did was um, my amazing consultant, Dr. Deirdre Hanlon, came into the room and explained to me that I had, in using medical jargon, that I had stayed to invasive ductal breast cancer. Um, but it wasn't exactly said like that. Okay. And she said, this is curable. And did but, you hear that? I mean, did you hear those words? I heard this is curable. Yeah. But I didn't realise that I had breast cancer. Okay. Because the, even the term that they, they used, I can spell it, I just can't say it. Um <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. The term breast cancer just wasn't used, which for me was something that I never expected. I always thought that, you know, I didn't know there's there's all these stages. I didn't know that there's different types of breast cancer. Um, so I didn't know all this. And I didn't know at what point is it curable, is it not curable, etc. So all this was said to me. And I almost left without knowing that I had just been diagnosed with 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 breast cancer and it wasn't until the nurse said to me afterwards she said you understand everything the Dr Hannan said to you and I said yes I have to come in before Thursday for an MRI and um, I'll get my results then and I, she said that's right and I said but sure look it could be benign and she looked at me and she said no dear you have breast cancer and the, the emotions it's like falling into a black hole like a bottomless black hole that's how I felt at that moment in time. and you were so I, were you on your own but yeah, I stupidly went yeah. on my own because I believed that it was not going to be anything serious. And I have been all of my life believing that you check your breast for lumps. But I didn't realise that a dimple in your nipple could be a sign of breast cancer. Yeah. yeah, so treatment. So then you, so the treatment plan then was decided. The treatment plan was decided the following week. So I was, they spoke to me about a lumpectomy and a mastectomy. And I said, if you can protect as much of the breast as possible. Um, So I went in for the first operation, which was a lumpectomy. And they also do a biopsy around the area of the tumour to see if there's any precancer cells. And they also do a biopsy of your lymph nodes to see if there's any cancer in the lymph nodes. Um, And I went in the following week expecting to be told you know, worst case scenario, I had to start chemo because I was, I did not want to have to have chemo. And that's all I kept thinking about. I never thought about anything other than that. 
And I went in the following week and I was taken into a room very quickly. Um, and all these women were in cream gowns. And I remember thinking, I'm going to get a cream gown now, when actually I never did, because I was being taken into a room to be told that they had found precancer cells in the biopsy and they'd found cancer in the lymph nodes. So I had to go in for a second lumpectomy the following week um, where they removed more of the breast and then they also removed a further 18 lymph nodes. Um, and thankfully, they did a number of tests on my body and the following week, I was given the results to say there was no more cancer present in my body. All yeah. gone. Exactly. All gone. And, and then, you was there chemo? There was. Four weeks after that operation, um, I started chemotherapy. How bad was that? Uh, do you know, I always say to people now that you don't know what to expect. And sometimes um, it's it's better to not have any expectations of something. So I didn't understand any side effects. I never Googled anything from the day I was diagnosed. I never Googled anything. The, okay. only, thing I ever, the only thing I did look up was the name of one of the drugs that I was having administered, chemo drugs. Um, but I had chemo every two weeks um, over a four-month period, and it was two different drugs. And um, it was aggressive, and I had a lot of side effects. But after the second round, I actually resided the fact that Helena take one day at a time, mm. and this too will pass, and you will be okay. And I think once, once you accept that this is what you have to go through, it makes it much, much easier. So, you know, people say radiotherapy is a walk in the park. It is. The fatigue is unbelievable, but the, the radiotherapy part is fine. The toughest part of everything for me was losing my hair. But I made the choice very early on in my treatment to actually shave my head. Rather than watch it fall out bit by bit. Yeah, because I I thought to myself, you weren't bothered about losing, uh, you know, the majority of my breasts, but I was bothered about losing my hair. And I was inside in the hospital and I was brushing my hair. It was just coming out in chunks. And I looked in the mirror and I actually took a photograph that day of myself looking in the mirror and I said, why are you doing this to yourself? You know, shave your head and allow yourself to heal. And, and did you did you then rock the bald look or did you go down the wig route? So, <laughs> I, I laugh when people ask me this question because I went and I spent an awful lot of money on a beautiful wig. Um, but I'd say I have worn it, if I've worn it a dozen times, it's a lot. Um, I gave her a name. Her name is Sarah. Okay. So if, if I ever wore the wig out, my friends could say, Helena, Sarah needs to look at. Um, but, I actually rocked the ball. Look, well and done. <laughs> yeah, it was very empowering. Yeah, yeah, and actually, the number of people that say that, I think it's just that dread of, oh my God, I'm, I'm going to be bald. And I also think when I've had friends who have had cancer in the, in the past, and whenever I've interviewed uh, people, and mm. they talk about when you've got the bald, when you're rocking the bald look, sometimes people can look at you. Oh God, help her! She's got cancer. And sometimes yeah. you just don't want people <laughs> looking at you saying, "God help her! She's cancer." Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm doing fine now. In the the so and then so you finish the chemo and then you the radiation. How long? How much radiation did you do? I had radiotherapy, 20 rounds. It was a, it was, um, a booster on the last week. So because of the age that I am, I'm, I'm young. I was diagnosed at 39. Um, it was just an aggressive level of uh, radiotherapy on the last week. And that's, I believe that's quite common for, for younger women going through um, breast cancer. But it was, it was 
four weeks, five days a week. And yeah, uh, that's I the one. The 20th of December. Yeah, that's the one where you're in and out every day. It's just, yes. yeah, yeah, it just it consumes <laughs> your life. And in the middle of all of that, uh, Helena, you're raising your little girl, Abigail, who was only four and a half. Uh, she's now five. Yeah. You, yeah. Had, you had to, you made the decision that you wanted to tell her what was going on. I tried to tell. A, how do yeah. you tell a four and a half year old what's going on with, 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 with mummy? You um, bring yourself down to their level. And you use items that they can relate to and language that they can relate to. And I used Lego to explain that um, I was going to have to have the lumpectomy. And I built a tower with her. And I remember using this yellow piece of Lego at the top that to me looked like a dimple, uh, sorry, looked like a nipple. And I explained to her that mum was going to have to go and have an operation and you know, she could see the breast at the time and everything and we took off this piece and I explained this is what the operation is going to be about. But when I had to go in for the second one, I told her that the, the doctor had left some of the Lego behind so they needed to take more, that they needed more Lego. And she really understood it and she was fantastic. Like six weeks after treatment, I was able to pick her up because I couldn't lift anything heavier than a kettle for six weeks. And I remember her jumping back in my arms and saying, Mommy, is your breast all better? Okay. And I said, it is. And my mum was in the kitchen at the time and she said, that means mummy can iron again, which I just, to this day, I think is the funniest thing anybody <laughs> said to me the whole way through treatment. But then we discussed chemo and I was explaining it was going to be a drug that was administered. And she said, so it's like uh, magic medicine. And I said, yes. So she called it mummy's magic medicine. Well so she's, she's always found a way of understanding. Like they ask, and I'm giving you a very, you know, brief summary, but kids ask you so many questions and when you're not having a good day, you know, they still expect you to get up and look after them, etc. But when you're honest, they just, they understand and they they will ask you a million and one questions, but it allows them to understand that bit more. And I suppose as a result, there was a lot of questions then that I had to ask of my medical team as well. Um, because sometimes a child will ask you a question that you don't even have the answer to yourself. And you had a lot of family support, did you, um, Helena? You mentioned your mum there, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I did. Yeah, no, in fairness, my mum and dad were just amazing. Um, My daughter's dad was great support. And I I have, like, I have an aunt who um, was by my side for the majority of my appointments in the breast clinic. And with my chemotherapy, sorry, my um, oncologist. So I've been very, very lucky. Family, friends, you know, I'm surrounded by amazing people who made it an easier journey for me. And you're back at work now? I'm back at work in a few weeks. A few weeks. Yes. Okay, you're still <laughs> off. Okay. And where, so where, where, so your, your, your treatment is finished now? Yes. And then are you in and out for checkups or what, what happens yep. from here? So this, I always say to everybody that you go through in a period of time where it's aggressive treatment, but the healing finishes, healing starts when the, the treatment from the medical team really finishes. So when your radiotherapy is done, for me in my case, it's different for everybody. Um, you go for counselling because PTSD is one of the biggest um, side effects of treatment for any cancer patient. Um, but you also, for me, because I'm private, I don't know what it's like in the public sector, I have to see a specialist every two months. So I was at my oncologist last week. Um, I see him again in two months. Two months after that, I see my um, breast consultant. So for the next two years, I'll be seeing somebody every two months. And you're doing this 100-day walking challenge. How's that yeah. going? How is that going? Were you always um, very fit before you, you got the diagnosis? 
Uh, I wouldn't say I was very fit. I've, I lost a lot of weight years ago, so I've always enjoyed walking. Um, but I'm absolutely loving the 100 days of walking. Oh, because, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I do. And I, I've said to so many people, because they're saying, why don't you go out in the morning and, you know, get your steps in then? And I said, but at the end of the day, I get to go out and clear my head. And then I sleep so much better at night and I feel so much better, you know, about myself and everything. I'm awake in the morning. I'm feeling great and I'm ready for the next day. Well done. Well done. You're, you're, you Thank really you. are. Uh, you're you're just you're a great ambassador and, and just the way you share share your story. And, I, and, and I'll finish where I started at the beginning, where I read that piece yeah. that you branded your diagnosis a gift. What, do, what did yeah. you mean by that? So at the beginning of all of this, I said, this will not kill me. It will not define me. It will make me stronger. And that they were three lines that I had that I kept saying to myself over and over. Here I am, eight months post-diagnosis, and I have learned more about myself, more about life. I have clarity like I've never had it before. I view everything in a a very different way than I ever did. Um, And I now know what's important. And I think if if you take the time to go through something, now it's different for everybody, but if you take the time to go through something and try and understand why it's happened to you, and not from a negative point of view, you actually start to discover something amazing. And I've I've met some incredible people, incredible people who have been with me every step of the way that are also cancer warriors. And I have met people who are, who research um, cures for cancer, not just breast cancer. And it's just been something that I'm, I'm a much happier person now than I ever have been in my life when I've gone through breast cancer. So I'm, I always say I'm so, so lucky. So a gift can come in many forms. But for me, breast cancer was a gift. And okay. um, I embraced it. Well, you're truly, you're, my story. <laughs> you're truly inspirational. We wish you continued good health on your journey, uh, Helena. And thank you for taking time out to talk to us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Good morning to you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Isn't she lovely? Continue good health to her. That's uh, Helena O'Brien from uh, Bantam. 